It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, it's Ron Johnson, and this is the Ron Johnson Show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Today's show, we got Clinton Portis, former Hurricane running back, in my opinion, Hall of Fame college running back, but also NFL uh, Denver Broncos draft pick was in my class in 2002. So we're going to sit down and talk to him a little bit about everything in current today's football. There's also a topic about the best receiving room in college football history. Glenn Portis wants to weigh in on that one, but we got to talk about Stefan Diggs. Talking about receivers, we're going to open the show up. We're going to talk about Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs hit the media again. The Bills lose for a fourth time. Sounds familiar, right? Stefan Diggs has an outburst about his teammate, his quarterback. Sounds familiar, right? I think there's something more to this, though, with Stefan Diggs and something that's not fair when you look at his actions. We'll talk about that next, coming up on the Ron Johnson Show. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcasts. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now the Ron Johnson Show. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. He's played with them, hung out with them, and grown up with all the big names in Minnesota sports. They're hanging out with Ron Johnson. It's the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. And it starts now. Hey everyone, it's Ron Johnson. This is the Ron Johnson Show, and this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com backslash locked on. That's fanduel.com backslash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. That's fanduel.com backslash locked on today to get started. And make sure you understand, we're going to have some RJ's parlays coming up. Because there's a lot of parlays out there. Guy just won $5 bet, won 70 k I mean, what better parlay is that? And I'm going to have some for you. But like I said on today's show, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about Stefan Diggs, the Buffalo Bills, and why he is being demonized, in my opinion, incorrectly. I think the, the energy is, is pointed at the wrong uh, person. I think that people are misinterpreting uh, what happened. But we are we have to jump into that. And then, of course, we got Clinton Portis coming up uh, in the Hanging with Ron Johnson segment, going to talk about his life, everything he's been through. But also, football career, one of the best running backs I know, uh, got a chance to, to be drafted with him. So we hung out together at the Rose Bowl, did some pictures throughout the years. We've hung out and uh, done some things together. So uh, excited to get Clinton Portis on the show. And then we are going to make sure we hit this daily three because, hey, Sam's throwing out some great questions for this one, so I'm looking forward to it. And remember, you can download the Locked On Sports Minnesota app on Amazon Fire and Roku. Just go to your TV, Amazon Fire and Roku. Download the Locked On Sports Minnesota app. You'll get all of our shows, all of our videos updated daily. Well, as I bring Sam Ekstrom to the show, my producer, Sam, uh, right off the bat, Stefan Diggs, we know what happens. Buffalo Bills lose. Mm -hmm. Stefan Diggs leaves the locker room uh, before the coaches even make it up the tunnel. Uh, one of his players runs out and gets him. I don't know from the parking lot, hallway, or what. Hey, man, you got to come back. That's not the way you want to end this season. Stefan Diggs comes back, which clearly means, you know what, he knows uh, he, he's really upset and, ups and, 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 and not happy with what happened uh, when you look at the way the game ended. But here's where it go. You look at Stefan Diggs' message uh, when he was able to tweet it out, and, and you'll see it. Uh, he said, one, want me to be okay with losing? Question mark. Nah. 
He's like, want me to be okay with the level of our play when it's not up to our standard? Question mark. Nah. It's easy to criticize my my reaction more than the result. It's true. It's true. Now, one, uh, could it have been handled better? Of course. I'm always a proponent. There's always a better way to handle things. Uh, We're human beings. We're in the flesh. Uh, Nobody is perfect. There's one perfect person and that's God. None of us are perfect. So when you think about Stefan Diggs just, you know, making a little bit of an emotional mistake, it happens. Uh, and sports guys do it all the time. And this, and this is what I, where I go with this. Aaron Rodgers early in the season had a similar outburst, went off on his teammates, said that some of these guys aren't studying. They need to play better, X, Y, and Z. Tom Brady, we've seen him throw down the tablet, get pissed off, tell the guys they're not playing well, uh, you know, saying this team is not this, and these guys don't want to do this, and blah, blah. And uh, we've, we've seen this happen before. We've seen these guys. And so could it be position? Could it be people expect the quarterback to act that way? People expect the quarterback to have that type of uh, of of winning, you know, wanting to really get the most out of his teammates. Is it that Stefan Diggs is because he's a receiver? And you look at past receiver outbursts, Terrell Owens, uh, you know, him, you know, wanting to leave a team, not happy what's going on. Him and Donovan McNabb getting into it on the sideline. They're making jokes about it later after a touchdown to kind of play up to the fact that there was drama. Uh, the fact that he left Minnesota under different or uh, under similar circumstances. So there's a lot to it when you look at past versus uh, reaction. So past uh, resume versus current reaction, I get it. Uh, but if Stefan Diggs, in my opinion, if 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 Josh Allen had been so mad after that game that he just left, teammate bought him back, he stayed in there, and then he took off, I don't really think people would have been saying, oh, here we go, another spoiled athlete did it. Like, nobody would have said that about Josh Allen. Nobody would have called him. They'd be like, man, he really wants to win, man. Like, he's so sick and tired of losing to Joe Burrow, losing to, to Patrick Mahomes. Like, Josh Allen is a competitor. He's a He wants it. That's where I think if you if you reverse the roles and that's Josh Allen looking at Stefan Diggs, like, man, come on, man. You're running the wrong routes. What are you doing? Like, we, we practice this. I know you're a great receiver. Like, Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen are friends. He knows Josh Allen is a great quarterback. We've seen Josh Allen be a great quarterback. That was just the frustration of what are you looking at out there? What's going on? And that happens. There's a difference, in my opinion, to what Stephon Diggs and what DeAndre Hopkins did to Kyler Murray. When he's saying, Kyler Murray, like, what are you seeing out there? How come you can't see me? Like, what's going on? Uh, There's a big difference there. One, the Cardinal standard this year was not of the Buffalo Bills. um, And that was true. Like, I'm out of here frustration. Stefan Diggs was more of like, I, I want to win so bad, man. I'm sick and tired of losing this way. I'm sick and tired of feeling like we're going to be in the Super Bowl and then we don't make it. That's my thoughts on Stefan Diggs. And, 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 I, and I think it's improperly, uh, he's been improperly demonized. Like, I don't think it was, I think that's just a guy being a competitor. You know, he didn't curse anybody out. He wasn't rude. He just like knew, like, I got to get out of here. Like, I'm, I cannot believe this happened again. But I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I'm with you. There's probably a double standard that's wrong. Like he should not be um, ridiculed for this in a vacuum um, because this is an emotional time. Like the hopes and dreams, the expectations, they're all on the line. Stefan Diggs has had a pretty long career now, eight years, yeah. and he has not won a Super Bowl and he's had some really good teams. So I get his frustration. Um, I guess maybe people are bringing in his priors a little too much into this. Like the the Vikings trade saga correct Diggs kind of forced himself out of minnesota and i i kind of get it because he didn't like the offense not really sure how he felt about the quarterback 
I think that the perception of this for me, Ron, it changes if if Diggs becomes disgruntled in Buffalo and forced his way out. Um, what better situation could you have? If this is just a, an isolated outburst, mm-hmm. that's fine. That happens. Um, I just uh, if he is somehow upset about this to the point where he would want out of Buffalo, then I would look at it a little differently. But if they come back next year, yeah, it's just a, it's a moment in time. Um, people are vulnerable. That's fine. I just don't think there's any reason for him to think that this is like the end of of him in Buffalo. I think this can still work with him and Josh Allen and Sean McDermott. Yeah, and people forget there's only two teams that go to Super Bowl. There's only two. There's only one Super Bowl winner every year. So uh, the odds of, of of teams even doing what the Buffalo Bills did with like this much success, constantly, you know, down to the last four, last eight, you know, they're right there, you know, time and time again, and they just can't get over the hump. Um, that that's where people get a little nervous too, though. Like, you know, how long can we really sit on this this cliff before we fall off? You know, you look at the Buffalo Bills of the past, four straight Super Bowls, and they lost. So then, and then it fell off the cliff. You know, players change, contracts have to be renegotiated, players want out. You know, contracts end, guys retire. Like there, you know, there's a lot. Coaches leave. Um, mm-hmm. I I think that's the key, and it's so funny when you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, granted, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. Like, he's a magician the way he finds a way to get back into the win column. Um, He's won a Super Bowl. He's been in the playoffs a bunch. He's competed uh, in the AFC North constantly. He's always kind of right there. His players always play hard for him. You know, they're always gritty. They always have a chance. And they're rebuilding as far as quarterbacks, Ben Roethlisberger. If you were to put the Pittsburgh Steelers situation in a lot of these other organizations – they probably would have fired Tomlin. They would have. They probably would have fired Tomlin because they're like, man, come on, like you, 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 you're, you're mediocre. But the, but the, but the, the owners there, the Roonies, and I love the Roonies. You know, I grew up with the Roonies, and mm-hmm. I love their thought process of this is a job. Like you don't fire the CEO of your company every four years because you just have a down tick in the stock market. You're never, you're never going to get there. You have to have somebody who's built the culture, continue to build it. And then there's going to be a little bit downtime. Then you build it back up. You look at Bill Cower, Chuck Noll, and now Mike Tomlin. The Steelers aren't a, a carousel of coaches. Whereas a lot of these organizations, I think they, I forgot the dollar amount, but it was an astronomical amount of money going to coaches that are no longer coaching uh, this year. Uh, who owners are still paying. And I forgot how much it was, but it was a lot. It was like 500 something million dollars. It was something ridiculous wow. where he's like, this is the amount of money we're paying coaches that are no longer on staffs, but we're as owners, you guys are still paying them. It was like 400, I think it was like $400 million. It was something stupid that they still have old, old, uh, old coaches that are no longer uh, on their payroll. And that's, Zimmer's getting some of that. Exactly. And that's yeah. what, and that's what, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Roger Godot was trying to, cause he is on behalf of the owners. He was trying to get the owners to understand you can't keep firing these coaches. Uh, but I hope that more coaches understand what the Roonies are up to. I understand, like, I hope they allow these coaches to grow because you can't just keep firing coaches and think that that's going to be the way to get this done. Like, it's not. You're going to end up maybe having a little bit of success. Like the Vikings, they're going to fall off probably for a little bit. Not badly, but I think they're going to get, they're going to come back to the pack. They're going to hit reality. They're going to make player changes and then they're going to have to regroup. So, again, you know, I, I think when you look at the Buffalo Bills, I don't know what they're thinking or what they're looking for, but they have it. They got Josh Allen. They got uh, Stefan Diggs. Uh, they got James Cook, who's a really going to be a really good running back. 
So I, I think that's mm-hmm. going to be the key. But coming up next, we got Clinton Portis joining me in the Hangover Ron Johnson segment. Uh, looking forward to sitting down with Clinton Portis. As you know, played for the Miami Hurricanes, played for the Denver Broncos draft pick. Was in our 2002 draft class, which I still think is is one of the best classes out there. Uh, make sure you check out our Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast on YouTube every day, following every Twins. Vikings, Wild, or Wolves game. Our Locked On team hosts are broadcasting live with team insiders. Never miss a podcast by subscribing to Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube. And we have a word from our sponsors. Thanks, Ron. Uh, The NFL Playoffs Championship weekend is ahead of us. I am so excited, and we're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On. They're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. I'm looking at the weekly props right now on FanDuel. How about the tight end special? Travis Kelsey, 75-plus receiving yards, and George Kittle, 50-plus receiving yards at plus 300. I'm smashing that the way those tight ends have been playing. Uh, FanDuel is great. They've got all the lines, all the leagues, all the sports. It's props. It's over-unders. It's spreads. Um, and it's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, here's what you do. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets. Win or lose, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Place a $5 bet, get $150 in free bets. Make every moment more with FanDuel. And that's promised Clinton Portis, former Miami Hurricane, former uh, Denver Bronco. Clinton Porters, thank you for joining me on the Ron Johnson Show. Uh, As everybody knows, you know, career, one of the greatest uh, running backs I know, almost 10,000 yards rushing, 75 touchdowns. I mean, that's crazy, man. So when you look back at that, you know, almost 10,000 yards rushing, uh, 75 touchdowns, uh, what what kind of jumps out to you the most about your career? Uh, Not getting to that 10,000-yard mark, you know. I I think uh, for the work that was put in, to not realize the benchmark was 10,000, you know, and in my final two seasons, um, I got hurt. You know, I think I played four or five games uh, my last two years, which that easily, you know, if you just send a thousand, a thousand yards a year, those two years, uh, that puts you, you know, under, under uh, 12,000, which would have uh, pretty much been the benchmark. And, uh, a walk into the Hall of Fame, and instead, we're sitting here with the limbo, you know, of people yeah. um, that didn't realize or see the impact of my career or um, know much about me. Whereas, you know, it's a topic of conversation. Whereas, for us and the people who lived that era, you know, the work I put in, you know. Oh yeah, man! Like I, I definitely know. Like I remember we played against you guys a couple of times, Ravens, Broncos. Uh, when you when you look at 1,500 yards as a rookie and 15 touchdowns, you know, 15 again, 1,600 yards the next year, 14 touchdowns in the Pro Bowl. You look at 1,300 yards, 1,500 yards again, and 11 touchdowns. I mean, that's that's a workhorse. You know, you don't see that today. You got 1,200, 1,300 yards, basically 11 touchdowns, 1,500 yards again, and nine touchdowns. And then you're right, five games, two, uh, two, 227 yards, uh, injured. And so – uh, I, I think a lot of people misinterpret. And then, you know, 2009, same thing. Only half the season, uh, 500 yards rushing. And so that's easily a 1,000-yard season. You look in five games, you know, you multiply that by three, that's probably another 700, 800 yards there. 
um, when you look at receiving, though, I, I do remember, you know, your, your screen game and some of the things you did, uh, you were before your time. You know, I remember you talking about scanning, talking about, you know, scanning in the backfield, being able to block and understand what scan protection is. Uh, what made you so cerebral where, you know, now everybody talks about running backs being able to scan the entire line and help out and pick up blocks, but you guys were doing it in Miami well before a lot of NFL guys were doing it. Coach Don Solinger, you know, it was if you couldn't block, you wasn't touching the field. He said, uh, every running back I got can run the ball. That's the reason they're here. Yeah. Uh, so it was a it was a stickler on learning to block and you get into the NFL. You know, once you get to the NFL, everything is kind of uh, assignment based, you know, assignment oriented. So it was one of those where you got to know your assignment. I can remember uh, in college missing a block against Florida State when I first got my opportunity uh, to get in, and that was the only play I had. Um, they took me right out of the game. So uh, I think that's what what set the competition. Um, what gave the gap in competition was, you know, what can you do that the other guy can't do? All running backs can run the ball on that level. So learning how to block, and then it got, it became personal. You know, it became one of those challenges like, man, y'all get to hit me all game long. So I want to get my lick back, you know. So when you <laughs> got the opportunity to get your lick back, you wanted it, you know. But looking back now, I would say my injuries basically – came from blocking you know my my uh right shoulder mm-hmm. blocking uh, my left shoulder making the tackle against cincinnati uh my right hand that was you know that was stiff arming but uh two out of the three injuries that set me back came from blocking you know you look at it and everybody like oh man you're one of the best blocking backs of all time but they don't take that into consideration uh when they look at those numbers you know for me I would say today, man, I would have missed every last one of the blocks. I would have got out of the way, you know, <laughs> just just to go and get those other two, three thousand yards. You know, um, if I could do it all over again, boy, I move to the side to tell the QB, oh, lay, they coming. <laughs> so, because you, who's your court? Was that Jay Cutler or who's your quarterback in Denver? Man, I had Brian Greasy and uh, okay, Nick Plummer. All right, so you would have just left Brian Greasy out to dry. I'd have left them all out to dry. <laughs> if the line didn't block for him, the old line got paid for blocking. If they miss their blocks, I miss mine. So uh, it just would have been one of those situations where that blocking, you know, you look, you look back and you say, "Man, I had five hundred blocks. That was five hundred collisions that I wish I would have avoided." You know, at this point, uh, to 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 see where it's at, and then you look at running backs today. They're not even asked to block. They don't have to chip. They don't have, you know, they don't have to scan. It's just pretty much free release. Hurry up, get into the passing game, um, try to get open and and create a mismatch. So if I had to do all over again, I'd have been in the passing game. When you when you look at uh you know the Washington Commanders, uh your season there, one of your seasons there, you had sixty targets. Uh, 400 yards there. Your rookie year, you have 50 targets. When you think about today's NFL, today's running back, um, why why are the offenses? Because that was unheard of back then for a running back to get you know other because like it was like Roger Craig, and then it'd be like you know Marshall Falk, and then you know then you got Clint Port. You know it was kind of it wasn't every like I played with Jamal Lewis. You know uh, Big Maul. Jamal wasn't in the passing game. You know, that's with Chester Taylor, your boy Chester Taylor. That's when he would come in and he would be the passing back. You were one of the guys that you were on first down and third down uh, as a back. 
and when you think about Hall of Fame, there's not a lot of backs that did what you did. How how do you start to shape the narrative? Because there's a lot of Miami guys. Like it took Edron a while. Uh, it's taking Reggie Wayne a while, which I don't understand that one. That was weird to me. Um, what is it about these stats sometimes that people don't just look at the body of work and how dominant that player was? Well, when you look at when you look at uh, Reggie and and Dre, you know Hester. I think this is their second year eligibility. Yeah. Super of them will get in this year. You know, okay. uh, Weezy a dog, Dre a dog. All of those guys are are unbelievable. Are unbelievable teammates. So uh, when you look at those guys, their time is coming. You know, for me, I think it's just one of those situations where the backs that that you praise. You know, if you look at um, the the lineage of backs behind Ladanian, you know, mm-hmm. Michael Turner, um, Sproles, like. They were the third down backs. LT came in first, second down, did his thing. He was in the game when the ball came to him. AP, same way. A lot of those guys with all of that talent, when they were in the, in the game, the ball came to him. You know, I'm in the game blocking straight hand and, you know, doing stuff that, again, if I if I knew then what I know now, straight hand would have had some more sex. OC would have had <laughs> uh, all of those guys. Because I would have got out of their way. There's no reason why, as a running back, I'm blocking the best DN, you know, or the best D lineman, or the best put on the defensive side of the ball. You know, I, and I used to take that as a challenge. Like, man, I want this action. You know, like I'm asking for this action. Um, getting my chip in just to get – because if that's your guy, I know if I punish him, it kind of weakens your 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 mentality, your mindset, your defense. Mm-hmm. So I wanted that trouble, but now, man, them people have so many more sacks because I get out the way, <laughs> get out the way, and start clapping like, "Throw it to me, <laughs> let me get it." <laughs> throw that bubble, throw the bubble screen. I'm wide open. I'm wide uh, open. <laughs> so when you, I just saw you were on the pivot with Ryan Clark, uh, and Ryan Clark's a friend of the show, been on. Uh, but when you know when you sat down with Ryan Clark, man, there were some 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 very like pivotal moments in the show. Uh, you know, you saw your heart really come out, man. I've known you, man, since since college days. Um, you know, hanging out in, in California uh, all the way up until we were getting our our degrees at Fordham to get our MBA. When you look at sitting down with like Ryan Clark though, and and Fred Taylor and all those guys, man, what did you learn from the pivot? Well, I think those guys do a great job at uh, allowing. Um, allowing their guests to um, share their side of the story. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the media don't give you the 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 full story, and it's rare that we get to speak out. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the Kwame Brown episode, and you look at Kwame Brown, totally different. You know, a lot of guys go into situations, and they're at a disadvantage because of the situation, mm-hmm. and you don't you don't realize the, the psyche that play. Um, on the on the on the kid's mind, you know, um, and I always think about guys. I always say, be professional, be professional. That's the advice that um, you know Shannon Sharp, Rod Smith, you know, uh, those guys give you that advice. Be professional, be professional, and you you don't really understand what be professional is, and mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of one of those that you you you, you got to carry your image and. Uh, your daily needs to match, you know, um, don't embarrass the organization, don't embarrass your family, don't embarrass yourself. And I keep ending up in situations that's like so unprofessional, but not really due to me. You know, it's, it's kind of 
uh, uh, not knowing. And then when you share your side, people, you know, people don't understand what you're dealing with, what you're going through. And they just want you to shut up and take it, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, like LeBron, like shut up and dribble. You know, that's how they see us. That's how they view us. And it's just one of those situations, man. Uh, wrong timing, you know, to, to even be in that situation, not knowing, uh, needing more, needing more, uh, needing to know more um, and, and not having it. You know, you look at you were in the league, you know how hard it is to get uh, information that's needed. Mm-hmm. You know, you you know it's not uh, easy to get a hold to anything that uh, that's really advantageous to us or that's ours. So it was just one of those situations, man, and uh, to be able to grow through it and, and go through it. You know, when you chose one, uh, it's like looking at the draft. I went in the second round, and I told the GMs, if you don't get me in the top five, you won't get me, you know. And all of a sudden, I go in the second round, and I had to fight, and I had to prove that I was worthy. The same situation, you know. You got to fight, prove worthy. You know, I, I think for anyone that knows me, you know what I'm into. You know what I stand on. I stand on principles. I don't steal. Like never have, never will. So, mm-hmm. um, it is what it is. You know, went through it. On the other side of it live and learn you know got these kids i'm affecting kids trying to help these kids uh avoid the mistakes or the situations that i was in and, and when you think about you know you, you you guys have something coming up with you and tommy harris uh called dollars and cents and for those who want to check that out it's going to be on the revel platforms uh january 30th starting at 7 p.m and, and you guys are going to sit down and talk about money management in the nfl you talk about guys that mismanage money guys that get millions of dollars uh, in one year, I mean, when you think about because what people see is like contracts. And so I always tell young kids this, you know, you know, I was a fourth round pick. So, you know, I didn't have that first, second round millions. You know, I it took me two years to get to a, a, a million and a half. But then, you know, the marketing dollars come in and then your third year, my third year, I got hurt. And so nobody tells you what to do with your money. Like, hey, you might want to start to save or you might want to cut back on who you're helping out. Uh, whether it's paying for mom's car and house, whether it's, you know, one of your friends got a business and you've been helping them out in certain cash into their business to help them stay going uh, until they get theirs going. And nobody advises you on that. And then you have to either, you know, die by fire or you you blessed enough to figure it out and come out the other end with, with a little, enough money to continue your life. Um, and and for me, I, I had to learn the hard way, you know, and, and I was blessed enough to be able to you know, jump into commentating, jump into coaching. And, and so that helped me. But there's not a lot of players that stay connected uh, where we're guys like me, you know, and you know that being connected, being in classes, we were in a Fordham, man, it brings you back to that locker room and it gets you energized. You're having fun. Um, but when you look at that dollars and cents, man, what are you guys trying to uh, put out into the ether for, for these young players and athletes and just America to understand uh, where athletes go wrong? Well, for the loss, I think a lot of guys give up. You know, after you lose, you give up. And play, playing sports, you know, man, a great season is is five losses. You mm-hmm. know, you're eleven and five, you feel great. I mean, you you took L's, and out of those, you know, that eleven and five, those sixteen games, how many of them did you perform well? You took right. L's within the game. You know, um, so bouncing back. You know, coming back continuing to fight as long as you got breath in your body, man, uh, and figuring it out, you know, everybody want to do it or, 
uh, people get to the point they're so angry, they're so frustrated, and they we disappear from the world. You know, we we get into that depressed stage, and we get into that quiet, and we don't want to talk to anybody. And that's where that's where your bounce back come from. You know, talking to somebody, figuring this thing out, and not giving up. And uh, for us, I think the platform Rebel is giving us is one of those platforms to discuss uh the bumps and bruises the aches and pains that's in the road you know on, on the opposite side is wins um it's wins in this and you just got to get you got to get to your winning season um to to be able to experience it i think so many young kids you look at so many kids um with this opportunity to get money even with nils like mm -hmm. uh at, at what point do you have a conversation you know where do you uh if you're talking about guys who went from college to the nfl and mismanaged money now you got guys in high school that's getting hundred thousands of dollars that's immature that's only becoming targets now you're becoming targets to people that's preying on you you got you got women whose mindset's changing. You got all of these people who are looking at you as a 16, 17-year-old kid saying, how can I um, how can I get my start with this guy, you know? And if this guy don't pan out, those people disappear, you know? So as, as an adult, as a 21-year-old, you don't understand that. So what you think is going to do to the psyche of these kids is getting NIL deals, is going to college. At, one, at, at what point do you had a conversation with them how to manage this money, like how to deal with this money. You're just going to check every two weeks in college and you can do what you want. What are you doing at this stage? Getting tattoos, jewelry, uh, clothes, being fresh, like a nice whip or switching whips. Like none of that, none of that is smart. None of that is an investment, but who's going to tell you that? And at what stage? Because your homeboys, that's the same age as you. They happy to get a tattoo. Like, oh, what you getting you getting the tattoos for us? You know, so right. They don't know. You know, I, I think it's just getting younger and younger that we're getting taken advantage of. And and you gotta find a way. Uh we gotta somehow, some way, um, uh, increase the knowledge that's given to kids. And and you're like, Well, in high school, this boy can't read and you're expecting him to figure out how to manage money how to how to set itself up for the future mm -hmm. but it's getting harder and harder yeah when you look at and for those that understand clinton porter is one of the quarterbacks at the university of miami uh jayton rashada who committed to miami uh reportedly nine and a half million dollar nil deal through various businesses companies car dealers um, and, and so this is a kid that, like he's saying, 17 years old and right out the gate, four to five hundred thousand dollars of cash in his hand. How is he going to handle that when he doesn't have bills? It's just room and board is paid for by the school. Meals are paid for by the school. Travel is paid for by the school. That's just free cash money. And so, yeah, there's there's going to be situations where I hope this is a kid that's going to watch you guys uh, this week and listen to the stories and understand I need to I need to put this away. I need to put this in some kind of mutual fund. I need to be able to live off this for a while, because if college football is the end of it, quarterback is one of the hardest jobs to get to the NFL. I've seen a ton of time. And we I mean, we had Joey Harrington with us at, in our, our deal at the rookie symposium. Uh, I mean, we had David Carr. I mean, you think about all the top quarterbacks who you know, don't become Peyton Manning. 
Like everybody doesn't do that. You know, you look at Ken Dorsey at Miami, who's now he blessed enough to be an offensive coordinator, but you know, football wasn't, wasn't in the cars for him. So it, it's a lot of situations out there like that. Um, and, and you brought this up. And so I got to talk about it. You talked about all the hall of famers, you know, you talk about Reggie Wayne, you talk about Santana. Moss. Uh, you look at Andre Davis, you talked about, or uh, Andre Johnson. There was a tweet out there. Uh, I think ESPN or I don't know who did it, but they said, this is the best receiving core they've ever seen in one room, which was, it was uh, Ohio state. So they have Marvin Harrison, Jr. Uh, they got Jackson Nigba. Uh, they have, um, uh, what's his name? Crystal Lave from last year and Garrett Wilson. And so when you think about that foursome, of course, then they talk about Alabama, but you play one of the best. And, and, and I kind of, you know, text you about that to say, Hey, just think about this one. When you look at those groups, you know, you got Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, Marshall kind of can put a study. He's in the NFL. So Chase and, and Jefferson definitely go to the top of the class, but what makes that Miami receiving core one of the best ever? Well, I mean, just to give those guys their credit, uh, those young guys are, they, they're game changers. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I think Chase and Jefferson, two of my favorite receivers in the NFL right now, along with Diggs and, um, you know, just just watching how those guys are elevating the game. But when you when you say Santana Moss, Reggie Wayne, and Andre Johnson, a lot of people forget, you know, Jerry, Jeremy Shockey was a tight end for that. So if you give me that group, I'm taking them anytime. You know, Reggie Wayne got uh, a set of the best hands that you'll ever find. Um, Santana Moss, unguardable. You know, like yeah. imagine imagine you had this style of football through Santana career. Like you never would have caught him coming across the middle. Everybody high on Julian Edelman and, and all of these guys who kind of got put in a, a phase of football that wasn't physical. You know, we, we came through where, where Ray Lewis can knock your head off, you know, yeah. where safety send back ready to punish you, where a lot of guys didn't want to go across the middle for that fact and, and the NFL kind of opened it up. So, you know what, for those guys who are afraid to go across the middle, we're going to allow you to go across the middle. No one can hit you. So think about somebody not being able to hit Santana coming across the middle. It would have been unreal. And then Andre Johnson, he created the dig route. If you ask me, like no other receivers was running that drag across the field. You knew where the ball was going. You knew he was getting it that size, that speed, and he pulling away uh, doing the things that he's doing. So, and then Jeremy Shockey, like, come on, man, that was Grunk before Grunk. That was that was <laughs> oh, yeah. little. That was all of these these great tight ends. Now, Jeremy Shockey was the one. You know, Jeremy Shockey was the one that that created that. Kellen Winslow, you know, Bubba Franks before him. Those guys were the one that that came in with that swagger and that style and pizzazz. And you know, I can go out here and, and play receiver before it became the, the thing to do, you know? So when I look at those guys and just knowing the work ethic uh, that they put in, although you can appreciate all the younger guys, their body of work um, isn't there, you know, and, and the times is totally different. Like you're in a time of football that is just being slung around, you know? But yeah. uh, when you look at uh, Reggie, who had great a, a great quarterback, Santana and Dre never had an outstanding quarterback to go out and put up the numbers uh, that they put up and to become a household name. So I would always take those guys, even, you know, even Shockey uh, having Manning. I think he got a chance to play with Breeze, but I would take those guys any day because I know the dog. I know the heart in them. I know the work that they put in. And, you know, every last one of them feel like they're the best. 
We got one last one, Clinton Porter, before we jump into the daily three. That's three questions, three minutes each. We're going to give Clinton most of the time, and I'll pick up where he left off. Uh, before we get in that, Clinton, man, I want to give you, you give you a chance, man. I, and I kind of told you this. Um, everybody loves to, like, you know, I see these articles all the time where it's like I'm going to pin a letter to my younger self or I'm going to leave a voicemail for my younger self. If you could leave yourself a voicemail or, or a letter, you can go back in time. I mean, you look at all these movies, the Avengers, all this stuff, they always somehow go back in time. You can go back in time and leave yourself a message. Uh, what would you, everything you've been through, what would you tell yourself? Probably enjoy it at the end. You know, I think it's, it's so much. We have so much going on while we're doing it that the stuff we do, we don't even enjoy. So I, I would. I would say enjoy it at the end. Like wait until this is over and then live life. You know, it's hard to live life um at the same time that you're engaged in creating life. So mm -hmm. uh for for the moments that we had uh on the field during your playing career that should have been uh uh a longer appreciation for that moment. It's like you get out of that moment and now you gotta share it, or now you want to, uh, now you want to celebrate it, um, and you want to party, you want to do all this. Like, man, this this thing over at 30, 35, 40, and you got the rest of your life, you know. And, and people, uh, all you know, I, I've been looking at this quote flying around that say, uh, you know, the measurement of, of money and time, and uh, you you could always know how much money you got, but you never know when the time is over so uh to value that time with that money like when when your playing day is over then you live it up you you give it to the max you know uh and so many of us just were in the moment and you didn't know you didn't know what to expect you didn't know how it was going to end when it was going to end so it was like boy i'm embracing it every day whereas you know knock on wood you you're fortunate enough to uh leave this game and uh your playing career and that's when you go give it all you got you know and people look at it like oh man you're 35 and you're just not doing xyz or trying to start a family or finding a good woman all of that man you know it, it's, it's one of those situations that's that's hard i don't think if you find the the woman early enough in your life then you you look at all the divorces and all the separations from guys who thought they had it figured out you mm -hmm. know uh the, the the guys who were taken under uh by the system uh because of the divorce and you and i gave up half you know you're like man dang i thought i, I did it right just wait right. you know just wait um and and until you 100 percent believe in something or know that's what it is that you want to do even with, with investments like just let the money sit you know let the money pile up uh you don't have to get into an investment uh your investment is is yourself you know invest in your body stay healthy stay on the field uh and get those checks because even in business it's hard to find those checks that we got in the nfl even even when you win you're talking about a win in business if you get 250 500 grand you like oh boy i just i just struck but in the nfl you get 2.5 to 5 million so enjoy that you know embrace that and uh when you when you get your opportunity you know when you get out and you get a chance to settle down that's when it all makes sense
Yeah, man, that's that's big, man. I appreciate you. Uh, coming up next, me, Clinton, and Sam's going to join us. We're going to have a daily three. That's three questions, three minutes each. But please remember, when you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Subscribe to the free Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast feed. Wherever you find your podcast, you can find all of our videos on the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. We have a word from our sponsors. Thanks, Ron. Make sure to check out Locked On Sports today. The biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less, plus instant reactions, game recaps, and Locked On's take of the day. Locked On Sports today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Well, coming up, we got the daily three. That's three questions, three minutes each. Take it away, Sam. All right, Clinton, I got a three-pack of questions here. Starting out with this, you played for some unbelievable teams at Miami with loaded rosters. I want to know from you, is there one player who stood out to you with all that talent, who stood out to you, athletically speaking? One player? That's all I get to talk about? You can talk <laughs> about a couple, I guess. That's fine. If it was... <laughs> You know, if it was if it was just one player that I had to say that stood out, it would have been Ed Reed. Um, you know, Ed, Ed Reed was one of those guys that you seen to work in way before the NFL got a chance to uh, give him his 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 dues. But the the Frank Gore, the the, the freshman Frank Gore, uh, a young Philip Buchanan, uh, Andre Johnson being the specimen that he was. Like, man, we had so many talented guys that can run, that could do everything, you know, uh, Santana being able to dunk. And, you know, our our basketball games were, like, crazier and more competitive than, than football was for us. You know, that team would mm-hmm. leave the practice field and go into the gym for another five or six hours. And, you know, it's fists being thrown and everything else. So just the, the talent alone – uh, for a lot of those guys just made you elevate your level of play. Yeah, I'd say for me, watching those guys, man, like for me, I, I guess at Minnesota, it was always, of course, Marion Barber. Like Marion Barber is one of the the most gifted young running backs I've ever seen as a freshman. He was a freshman my senior year. Uh, so watching Marion Barber come in, I was like, this kid, like day one, I was like, this kid's got it. And I think it was Michigan State. Like I was blocking and he ran somebody over at Michigan State. I don't remember who it was, but it was the loudest car crash type of sound I've ever heard. And so, and, and, and Clinton knows, like, when you're blocking downfield, one, you're trying to get out the way because you don't want to get rolled up on. So I, like, jumped out the way out of bounds, and I look, and Marion is still standing up. Like, the DB is on the ground. Marion's standing up and kind of, like, walks out of bounds. And I was like, man, this dude is a brick wall. Like, he was, he was just physically gifted. And then to talk about Miami, I mean, in that time, we were all in college around the same time. Like, I, I can't lie. Like, and I told Reggie this when I got to coach him with the coats. Like, watching him and Santana Moss, I mean, it was it was like ridiculous. Like the routes, uh, the concepts. Like they had pro level concepts in in college, where a lot of colleges keep it kind of basic. 
where you look at some of their choice routes. I mean, you don't see a lot of teams running choice routes with a receiver in the slot. You know, that's kind of new now. Like they were doing that in Miami. So I remember when I finally got a chance to, you know, be around Santana when he was with the uh, Washington football team. And I went there for a little bit uh, and just, you know, hearing those guys talk about it, it was it was amazing to me. And then the work, you know, the work Reggie put into it as a coach, watching him put that work in. I'm like, it came from somewhere. And Reggie would always say, like, man, in Miami, man, we had to do this. Like, we had to learn. We had to compete. And so for people that thought Reggie just went out there and went, like, that dude watched film. He studied. So, you know, his athleticism was out there. But, man, both of those dudes mentally, too, man, they were always trying to figure out the next step in a router. Like, Santana was always trying to come up with a new route. Like, man, I'm going to do a post-corner post. Like, mm -hmm. he was doing stuff that people now try to do where he was already putting it in. Like, man, if I hit this dude with a one-step corner, I got him on the post again. And so you you now see it, and they celebrate it when you see Diggs and some of these guys do it. But, man, Santana was doing that way back then. What you got next, Sam? Yeah, Clinton, I'm wondering, when you watch the NFL today, is there a certain team that you watch and say, I would be a good fit in that offensive scheme? Um... A certain team, if if I had to pick a team to be a good fit for, I would hands down go play with one of these quarterbacks, the Josh Allen or uh, or, or uh, Patrick Mahomes. Like, man, it would be a no-brainer to go and play. The way these guys throw the ball around in, in the running lanes, you would never. I faced eight, nine men in the box my entire career. You're talking about having a, a six or five or a six man box, man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, there's the one thing I would say for Clinton, the offense, and I thought about this too. Now, selfishly, I would say, you know what, the 49ers. When you look at what the 49ers do, the way they move guys around, put him on the slot, you know, put him in the backfield, jet sweeps. Quarterback but, not as dangerous with the 49ers. Though. Correct. And see, and it's gonna be another quarterback you probably don't think is dangerous either, but I look at the Minnesota Vikings offense and Dalvin Cook. Like, I would – like, that one for me with you. And, and like, I look at – I love Dalvin Cook. I love – you know, I love what, what Coach Shanahan is doing out of San Fran, and I played in that system. But to be in a system that no one can come and drop a safety into the box. Like, if you look at the Chiefs – I look at I look at the Chiefs running backs. Like, how do you not have seven yards – a, a carry nobody right. you're like the fourth option on this team because you're, you're thinking of prior you know before Tariq uh Hill was gone you yeah. got to stop Hill you got to stop Kelsey you're worried about stopping uh Mahomes so you're number four nobody game plans for number four is kind of like okay we're gonna we're gonna tackle him no way in hell no way <laughs> Well, selfishly, I love to see you in that offense because they try to run the screen game a lot. Uh, and 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 again, like I said, like I think Kevin O'Connell, that's the one thing he's missing is a back that can do it all three downs. You know, I, I think they're trying to find this two-back system. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I'd love to see you in that one. Got so. a dog and Dalvin Cook, man. Learn how to use him. True. Use him the correct way. You're trying to play through uh, Jefferson and Thielen. And those guys are really good. But you know how great – uh, Jefferson to be if, if you just bring that safety in the box like commit to the run where you force them to commit to the run go play action and, and work to the advantage uh, of I think Dalvin Cook is still a man on that team although Justin Jefferson is taking over and he's going to be uh, the man for quite some time 
you could you could scheme to get him in mismatches. You know, go play action to Justin Jefferson's side. The safety got to come down or he got to bail out. If he bail out, hand it off. If he come down, throw it. It's simple. Football is real simple. Hey, you heard it from the man himself. What you got? What's the last one, Sam? Last one, Clinton. You mentioned early on that you wish you would have hit that 10,000-yard mark in your career. I'm curious if there is a statistical accomplishment that you have in your career, whether it's college or pro, that you are especially proud of? To look back at it, it's not the yards. It's not the, you know, it's not the the highlights that everyone would be like, oh, man, look at this. You know, one day I just, I think I was bored and uh, doing some research. And I said, you know what, man, I want to look at how many fumbles I had, you know. Uh, and I think it kind of came from one of my partners, uh, Sif Dog, always putting up posts about me fumbling uh, on the goal line. <laughs> and some just said, like, man, you know, how many fumbles did I have? And I think the, uh, you know, the, the guy, I I think I, I Googled uh, least fumbles in the NFL, you know, and mm-hmm. Marcus Allen popped up. And I think he had the least with, like, 23 fumbles over his career. And I'm like, damn, I wonder how many I got. And I went and did the math, and I was at 25. And I said, like, that's one of those stats that you look at, you like, I had 25 fumbles, and I got how many carries? 3,000 carries, you know? And I got 25 fumbles. You know, when, when people look at Hall of Fame, when it's a lot of stuff that I think should be taken into consideration that's not. And that would definitely be one. How often do you get this pill up? You know, despite all the yards and everything else you're doing, how often do you give up this pill? And that's the stat I think I'll always be proud of because you look at people, that's that's one that's going to be hard to be broken, you know? So mm-hmm. uh, I, I love the fact that I could always stamp and stand on that. Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, like I said, my NFL days were short, so – I always go back to college and uh, I was similar to that, like drops. Like I think I had one drop my entire college career uh, because I was willing to take a hit, you know, and looking back on some of that, I'm like, I wish they had changed that. Cause I know my knees, I used to get killed. Like when you're 230 pounds, DBs are not going to hit you up high. Like they would just shoot my legs out. So I know that was probably part of it. Uh, but no, when I look at this list of the big tens and uh, college footballs, you know, receivers or whatever touchdowns. And again, a lot of guys left after three years, uh, but you look at Braylon Edwards, Anthony Carter, Chris Olave, David Boston, Tyler Johnson, Desmond Howard, and then me. And so I'm like, you know, like I can say, and then Chris Carter now, and me and Chris Carter, Chris Carter was on the show. We joked about that after, but, you know, I, I had more college touchdowns than Chris Carter. So even though he killed it in the NFL, uh, but, you know, I think for that one, that's the one where I tell people all the time, this business that I do now has nothing to do what I did in the NFL. Like, this is just me talking, me doing my thing. I mean, me, me and Clinton, he called me out on this. We were on a, a show, national show, uh, early in the morning. And after the show, Clinton's like, man, you going to let me talk? <laughs> 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 and at that moment, I was like, you know what, man? Like, I was like, I do, I got it. So that's why today I let Clinton talk. I let him get it back. So that was my payback. That was my, I'm paying it back to you. Because, uh, yeah, that, that morning when they started talking about uh, – uh, players and and years played as far as my dad and I kind of got in, into my feelings about my dad and you know when he died he ended up getting you know they don't you know we had his brain donated he did have CTE grade three 
uh, which four is the worst. So he was right up there. Um, and just the way the NFL acts about injuries and, and things players need after they're done playing, it amazes me that these billionaires uh, don't understand throwing out $100 million is nothing to them. If they do it as a group, that's a couple billion dollars to be able to create a fund to financially support players that need help, whether it's it's medical equipment, whether it's MRIs. Like my knees to this day, like I, I don't complain a lot, and I tell people this all the time, uh, herniated disc in my back, my sec, my third year, played through it. Uh, torn my MCL, played. I shouldn't have played, but I played nine games on it before I had surgery. Uh, did it again with the Bears. Had, you know, got it scoped after the fact. You know, like all that kind of stuff. And I don't complain. I go get MRIs. I do all my stuff with my knee. I get it checked out. Uh, but, you know, it, it amazes me that the NFL is like, hey, five, after five years, we're done. Like, we, we we don't have to take care of you. And so I know Quentin has, uh, Quentin, Clint has some words on that too. Uh, a lot of players do. I'm pretty sure we're going to hear it on dollars and cents, man. Before we get out of here, um, you know, is there any one last thing you want to say before we take off? I just think, you know, uh, to piggyback off of what you said, you know, they give you that health care five years after you're done playing. But when you look at accessing any of your money, it's 15, 20 years after mm -hmm. you're playing. So why not switch it around? You know, why not switch it around? And you really want to help these guys switch that around give them hey here go money for five years after you're done like switch that around and, and really give guys the opportunity because a lot of guys just like yourself like you said i don't complain i don't say much but when you're sitting around and you know you're messed up you know something is wrong you know your memory isn't right mm -hmm. you know your back is aching or your hands you know what whatever it is and no one wants to listen no one understands and oh all of these people judge you I go to the doctor and he says, you know what? I think I got like 2,000 pages to look at for your yeah. injury report. What regular person got 2,000 pages for an injury report? If you even looking at, if, if I get an injury report of somebody and it's 2,000 pages, they're, they're messed up. All right. Yeah. And it's just that simple. They're messed up. 2,000 pages is more than enough, but you still got to go through and prove this. You still got to go through. You got to talk about your anger. You got to talk about your depression. You got to talk about uh, the tingly feeling you get in your body, your back aching, your feet hurt, your legs numb. Like, at what point do it stop? You know, and it's not one of those, oh, I want to start a war with the NFL and I'm beefing with the NFL and I hate this. You have so many guys that's so salty behind great careers or great memories or, or uh, the NFL giving you a segue and opening a gate to life. You got so mm -hmm. many guys that's upset. You got so many guys that don't watch football, that don't participate. I'm not mad at the NFL. Like, I don't have a beef with the NFL. I just wish I would have ran out of bounds more. I wish <laughs> yeah. I, I wish I wouldn't have blocked at all. Like, you could have – I, I would have actually been okay with being – you know, oh, man, he was so soft. He always ran out of bounds. I never understood. Marvin Harrison used to catch the ball, and it's like, man, if he turn up, he gone. He just laid down. Yeah. Catch it, lay down. And you're like, damn, Marv could have had 10,000 more yards, but he did it his way, and I think it was the right way. Got out healthy, you know, um, and, and I think that's what more players subscribe to. We look at the NFL and say, oh, man, the NFL is so soft now and nobody get hit. Keep it up.
great work, young lads. Don't let them hit you. I would run out of bounds every time. I would run out of bounds and get out of the way. Somebody coming to tackle me, lay down. Slide like a quarterback. Yeah. No, that's true. There's a reason why quarterbacks do it. Prolong their career. That's why they're playing longer than other every other position. Uh, but I want to thank Clinton Portis for joining me on the Ron Johnson Show. I want to thank everybody that continues to download, like, share, listen, and, and comment. Please let us know your comments today. Let us know what you think. Who's the greatest receiving core ever? Should Clinton Portis be in the Hall of Fame? My answer is yes. You let us know what you think. Uh, if you want endless Vikings talk, though, make sure you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube, where you can find all of our videos, all of our shows, instant podcasts after every single game, and all the Vikings press conferences delivering all the biggest news. Like our videos and leave your thoughts in the comments section below. Thank you, and have a great day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.